Good morning and welcome to Naples United Church of Christ. My name is Dawson Taylor and I have the great privilege of serving as senior minister and it's a privilege to welcome you here this Sunday morning. We are blessed by your presence and grateful to have you worshiping with us no matter how it is that you're worshiping with us or if you've downloaded our audio podcast or if you are watching an archive. We are grateful to have you with us and so blessed by your presence this morning. I want to uh, let you know a couple of things as we are getting started this morning. If you are planning to join us for the uh, virtual gathering place after worship today, please check your email that went out last night. All you need to do to join the virtual gathering place is simply hit the button that is a part of that e-blast that says virtual gathering place. If you didn't receive that email, can't find that email, or if you need a new link sent to you, please give the church office a call during the worship service. Chelsea will um, happily send you a new link. We'll just need your name, phone number, and email address. And just give the church office a call at 239-261-5469, and uh, we'll get that taken care of. And by the time we're ready to get that started, you'll have your new link. So we hope that you'll join us for the virtual gathering place. We got started last week and had great uh, time of conversation and connection, and so we hope that uh, you'll join us again this week. I want to invite you back on Wednesday evening at five o'clock for our clergy roundtable continued uh, sacred conversations on race and privilege. This week, I'm especially excited that to welcome Reverend Justin Coleman, who is senior pastor of University United Methodist Church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Justin is also a uh, childhood friend of mine. We grew up together in suburban Houston and uh, took, in some ways, different paths, but the same journey, both now leading churches. And uh, we're going to have a great conversation about what he experienced in life uh, thus far as a black man and what I've experienced as a white man and uh, how those ex- those uh, experiences compare and contrast. And so we're going to be having a, an honest dialogue about that. And so I hope that you'll be uh, join. I hope that you'll join us or that you'll watch the archive of that conversation as well as we continue these sacred conversations. And an additional note about that, the following week, we will begin a five-week book study on the book, How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram Kendi. Now, the good news is this is such uh, an important book and it's in such demand that leads to the bad news, which is they're having trouble keeping up with the publication of it right now. So when we chose the book, we thought we had um, the ability to get it. We're having some trouble with that. However, uh, we are still working with uh, our book distributor to see if we can get the copies that we have requested. And if so, we will let you know. We will make those available in order uh, or send them to you. You can certainly get the book on Kindle, um, any of the electronic ways. I'm listening to it currently on Audible. So there are ways to participate and to be reading, but uh, we will keep you up to date if we can help you in other ways to get copies uh, of the book. 
it will be uh, an important continued conversation and place of study that I hope that uh, you can uh, join alongside with the clergy team. That's all I have for us at this time. And so as an intergenerational congregation, let us center our hearts and our minds as we begin worship this morning. Will you join your hearts with mine in prayer? Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, we continue to give you thanks for the gift of this day. And we ask that in this time of worship that you would speak either through me or in spite of me. But that above all else, we would hear with clarity what it is that you say to us this day. All of this we trust and we ask in your many names. Amen. I love to laugh. And there are all kinds of reasons to laugh. Sometimes we laugh out of embarrassment. Other times we laugh because something is witty. There are times we laugh just to keep from crying, which has been, it seems, a lot of life over these last few months. There's an old story about a man who awoke one morning to find a puddle of water in the middle of his king-size waterbed. In order to fix the puncture, he rolled the heavy mattress outdoors and filled it with more water so that he could locate the leak more easily. The enormous bag of water was impossible to control and began rolling down the hill of the hilly terrain. He tried to hold it back, but it headed downhill and it landed in a clump of bushes, which poked it full of holes. Disgusted, he threw out the waterbed frame and moved a standard bed into the room. The next morning, he woke to find a puddle of water in the middle of the new bed, only to discover that the upstairs bathroom had a leaky drain. What do you do at times like that? Five years from now, it will be funny. There are all kinds of reasons to laugh. In fact, there is one in the Bible who got his name because his mother laughed at an inappropriate time. And his story begins with our scripture reading this morning. The temperature was above 100 degrees. The only relief available was the shade of a tree. Activity like travel was limited. It was too hot to do much of anything. The unbearable heat dulled the senses, clouded the eyes, and clogged the ears. Basically, it was a summer day in southwest Florida. It's like when I interviewed with the Associate Minister Search Committee seven years ago next month, and one of the first questions they asked, do you think you can handle Florida summers? I assured them that growing up on the Gulf Coast of Texas, that I would be okay. 
Perhaps this kind of brutal heat was why Abraham was startled to see three visitors coming toward him. It was as if these strangers had appeared out of nowhere. And when Abraham saw the visitors approaching, he jumped up and ran out to greet them. Bowing down before them, he welcomed them to his home, remembering that in biblical times, hospitality was important to people in the Middle East. It was a sacred obligation. Hospitality was given to any passing traveler, even if it was a member of a hostile tribe, because it meant life or death in the desert. Abraham invited the travelers to stay with him, and he and Sarah did all that they could to care for these unexpected guests. And indeed, it was these unexpected guests who delivered the unbelievable news to Abraham and Sarah. These guests told Abraham that his spouse, Sarah, would bear a child. Now, God had promised Abraham that he would have as many descendants as there are stars in the sky. But that promise had yet to be fulfilled, and Abraham and Sarah, we believe, were well into their 90s. Surely the years that they would expect for miracles and prophecies like this to come true were behind them. How could it be that Sarah would produce children and that they could become parents? Sarah, who had stayed inside the tent while Abraham entertained these guests, overhears the pronouncement and laughs at the preposterous idea. And yet this becomes one of the countless places that we discover in the pages of Scripture where we are reminded that you are never too old or too young to be a part of God's great unfolding plan. Charles Kuralt was a journalist with CBS and best known probably for his On the Road segments, where he traveled across the United States meeting interesting people. I have such fond memories of watching those segments with my dad. He once told about an old man that he met in Kansas. We never caught his name, Kuralt wrote. The old man was a pilot. Kuralt and his crew were doing a story about an artist whose canvases were 80-acre fields. The best way to view this unusual artwork was from an airplane. Charles Kuralt and his photographer spotted an old J-2 Piper Cub parked in a barnyard. They asked the farmer if he would fly them. Sure, I'll, I'll take you up, the farmer replied. We need to take the door off so that I can take pictures, the photographer told the farmer. Fine, was his reply. 
Flying at 2,000 feet, the photographer asked the old pilot, how long ago did you get your ticket? Ticket, the man asked. You know, your pilot's license. Well, I don't have a pilot's license, the old farmer told them. I just found this thing wrecked out here, patched it up, and taught myself to fly it. You know, it's never too late to learn, to grow, and to have new experiences. Sarah laughed when the announcement was made of her impending pregnancy. And then God asks one of the great questions of Scripture, is anything too wonderful for the Lord? The next spring, Isaac was born, and his name literally means God laughed. This child would always remind his parents of their disbelief and of God's faithfulness. Isaac would always remind them that God can be trusted. In the fourth chapter of Romans, Paul praises Abraham for his faith. But I wonder if you were to ask Abraham if instead Abraham would not praise God for God's faithfulness. We certainly know and understand the concept of barrenness. And by the standards of that day in Abraham and Sarah's time, there was nothing worse than the lack of children. No children meant no future, no hope. With no clear concept of heaven or eternal life, the only way one's life was extended beyond the moment was through progeny, heirs, children. Without children, when you died, you were just dead. So the lack of children meant the lack of a future, the lack of hope, the end of a promise. And I don't know that much has changed in how we view that challenge and heartbreak today. Just ask a person who wants to have children and cannot. Or listen to the deep pain of a couple going through whatever it takes to have a child. But further, I would suggest that there is a lot of barrenness happening in our world today. We have anxiety about economic future. There is a lack of hope for some of our communities, and we are unsure about what tomorrow will bring. And yet, it is the word of an eternal God who promises to be with us, to journey with us. 
to be in the wilderness with us and to give us a hope in a future. It is the word of the risen Christ who comes to be with us amid doubt and defeat through the darkness and even through death to offer the promise of resurrection and new birth. So maybe Abraham and Sarah got it right. Maybe faith really is a laughing matter. Maybe faith carries in its bones the echo of joy that rings through the dark places and the barrenness of life, bringing hope and new life. So as we continue through this day, let us listen for the laughter that can be heard from the very moment of creation. From the first movement of the spirit over the waters of the deep, the first burst of light, the first baby's cry, and God's word that it is good. Let us listen for the sounds of joy which overcome the shouts of fear. Let us listen for the echoes of hope which can be heard even in the face of discouragement, fear, and despair. Let us listen for the words of the psalmist who wrote, Weeping may linger for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Perhaps faith really is a laughing matter. After all, it can be filled with so much joy. So much joy that it can literally make you LOL. Laugh out loud.